Lord, we all can relate to stress and we handle it in many different ways. Most of the time we don't handle stress very well. I know I don't. And uh, this morning I know there are folks in this room that need your help. They need your strength. There's a season of stress that's upon many of us in this room, whether it's financial stress, relational stress, health. I mean, it's all kinds of things, Lord. And we just look to you, Lord Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, that you would teach us this morning through the Holy Spirit and through your scriptures. And Jesus, really looking at how you our, our uh, Lord and Savior, and how you handled stress as well. So lead and guide our words this morning, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So we do live in a, a stressed out world, and adults are stressed out. I was driving to the office the other day, and uh, I drove by one of the local schools in our neighborhood, and I just saw people late for school, <laughs> parents late to get their kids, and so everybody's stressed out, you know, and, and I got, you know, I was, must have been driving too slow for this one particular mom, and she told me that I was number one as I turned the corner, and I was like, thank you, I appreciate that. <laughs> And I mean, it was, it, it was, I was like, yeah, I don't always have to drive in that craziness of, of traffic, but traffic and just driving can stress you out. Adults are stressed out. Teenagers are stressed out, man. We live in, a, in our world where our teenagers are so busy and there's things to, you know, get ahead and schoolwork and sports and activities. It's just da, da, da. And it's just big stress. Stress leads to anxiety. It leads to depression. It, in fact, I read that 75 to 90% of all doctor's visits are stress-related. <laughs> stress is linked to heart disease, cancer, many other illnesses. 50% of emotional and mental disorders are due to stress. Why do we get so stressed? How does that happen? I read a, a story about a guy, he worked at a factory. He was a factory worker, and it was a Monday, and at the end of the day, he was uh, heading out of work, and he had a, a wheelbarrow, and he had a little paper box in the, in the wheelbarrow, and he was going by the security guard at the factory, and the security guard stopped him, and he said, what's in your box? And he said, well, at the end of the day, he said, we sweep all the sawdust of the factory floor into a big pile, and I'm taking some home. I need some sawdust at home. And he said, is that, is that okay? And he said, sure, go ahead, take the sawdust. So that happened on Monday. Tuesday came around, did the same thing, you know, had his little box in his wheelbarrow of sawdust. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday came around, and he, the security guard stopped him again, and he said, well, what's in your box, man? The guy said, same thing that's been in there every day this week. It's the sawdust that I've been collecting. And then the security guard goes, you know, I uh, have this suspicion that you're stealing something. Will you show me what's in the box? And he shows him, and it's, it's uh, the sawdust. And he goes, man, I'm not satisfied. He said, listen, if you will just tell me what it is you're stealing, I, uh, I won't rat you out, I promise, but I got to know, what are you stealing? And the guy said, I'm stealing wheelbarrows. <laughs> Sometimes we get so focused on a little box 
that we don't see the big picture of what's really going on around us. And I wonder this morning in your life, what small thing has you so preoccupied that you can't see the big picture? You can't see what's really going on. We need a different perspective. We need to compare everything that is stressing us out to Jesus and to what he's told us, commanded us, and who he is and who God has said he is. I just came out of a season of stress in my life. Um, there wasn't really one thing you could pin down and say, this was causing the stress. I, I really don't know. I think some of it is just the season of life, season of age of my children, my parents, so on and so forth. And you just, I just was stressed. And it was, you, you find yourself, um, you know, I, I lack self-awareness sometimes of what, 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 when I'm stressed out. I don't know if you can relate to that or not. You know, you find yourself getting mad at the dog or something that you can't repair or something, and it, all of a sudden it's like, whoa, I'm stressed out. I'm, I'm finding myself getting angry real, real easy. And I think for us as men, that's definitely something that we don't uh, know how to have, be very self-aware on. And so as I came out of this season of stress, there was... Uh, a passage, the words of Jesus in Matthew 11, 28 through 30, just really, I memorized it, and, and it really has, has helped me. And listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 11. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I think for me, when I read that, I, I think of my role. Uh, I'd never, you know, up until four years ago, I was an associate pastor for 16 years. And you can read books on leadership and being a lead pastor. And it's kind of like preparing to be a dad or a parent. You can read books about it. You can talk to people about it. Until you actually live it out, you, you, you just have to go through it yourself. And I know that was part of some of the things of me growing as a person, me growing as a leader, and you being gracious to me and allowing me to grow as a person has been awesome. And I know the best is yet to come for us at Novation. One of the things the Lord kept speaking to me was, first of all, Scott, it's not about you. <laughs> has the Lord ever spoke that to you before? It's not about you. It's about Jesus, and it's about who he is. He is the center of the universe. We're not the center of the universe. The world does not revolve around you and I. And the quicker we get that through our, our hearts and our minds, the less stress we will have in our lives. So he told me over and over again, it's not about me. It's about him. And then the verse in John 15, apart from me, you can do nothing. Do you and I believe that? Apart from Jesus and him living his life through us, we can do nothing. I don't think we think about that enough. But he has said, apart from me, you can do nothing. So how do we, first of all, I want you to write this down, resisting stress. We're get, coming up on flu season and many people get a flu shot. Whether you're pro or con against that, you can worry about that, but people get flu shots, right? And what you do is you put a little bit of flu in your body so that your body can learn how to resist sickness and resist, you know, your immune system learns how to be, be, be stronger. And you got to think about how did Jesus handle stress? He, uh, he knew who he was. And write this down. I need to know who I am. 
Jesus knew who he was. Do you know who you are? And do I live in who God has said we are? Jesus 18 times said things about himself. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the light of the world. 18 different times. He knew why, what his purpose was, why God had sent him, and he did everything for the approval of his father. He knew who he was. Have you ever thought about why Jesus was so able to handle the criticism. And I know it's easy sometimes when you think of Jesus or if you're new to Jesus, you're new to church, well, you just think, well, he's God, right? Of course he could handle criticism, of course. But think about it in his humanity. Jesus was 100% God, but he was 100% human as well. So he was tempted, as we talked about last week, in every way, just like we are. So he felt the emotional pain of criticism and, and the difficulties that came from that. Why was he able just to blow off those critics who falsely accused him, called him a drunk, glutton, wine-bibber? You know, he was the friend of sinners, but even at one point in time, the Pharisees told him that, it, that he, had, he was, you know, had a demon that was causing him to do these miracles. Well, he was not living for their approval. And I bet... The stress in some of our lives today is you're living for the approval of somebody else than God. And so the stress level is going to be higher and higher. There's two things that, that produce added stress in our lives. Um, the first one is insecurity. And it's insecurity about who, about who we are. And when we do that, it always adds stress to our lives. Stress happens when you're trying to be something you're not. You, when you're insecure about who you are, you're spending a lot of emotional time and energy to try to impress somebody else and to have somebody else's approval, and you're spinning your wheels. We spend effort trying to figure out who we are. And so we try to figure out who we are by getting the right career, getting the right amount of money, getting the right you know, relationship, whatever it is, the right status. And so we want everybody else's approval. And, and when we don't know who we are, we're living for the wrong set of approval. We wear masks. Sometimes people wear masks of spirituality. They maybe don't have what they would call status or money or something else, but they're going to try to be the most spiritual person and speak spiritual. And, and it's just, it, we, we wear masks of, you know, in our physical, we wear them in, you know, emotionally, relationally, spiritually, and we're afraid to be found out, which would lead me to my next point. Unrealistic standards for ourselves add stress and pressure into our lives. We had our Novation Open, the golf tournament. On Friday, we had 40 golfers. It was totally awesome. Thank you, Tracy and Jared, for putting that together. It was a great time. When it comes to golf, I don't have unrealistic <laughs> expectations. I know I'm really not very good. And so I go out to have fun. But something, a different sport, whether it was baseball or softball, I'm going to have higher expectations for myself. In golf, I'm going out to have fun and, and hang out and, and enjoy the day. And we sure did that. But sometimes that's not true of every part of our life. We can have unrealistic expectations of ourselves on the job, relationships, other people. And then that just builds stress into our lives and causes us, you know, to be, be more stressed out. So we need to learn to accept our strengths and our weaknesses. Do you know your strengths? Do you know your weaknesses? That's true humility. 
Humility helps you live in what is reality, not in what you, know, you think you should be, but what, what it really is. So I would write this down. I will know who I am by knowing whose I am. Today, if you're struggling with approval addiction, and that is causing greater stress in your life. Maybe you have, you know, you're a young couple and your in-laws are stressing you out because they have expectations of you and, or something. And it's, it's caught. Remember who you're, whose approval you're ultimately living for. And so you are God's first and foremost, listen, by creation. God created each one of us. You need to know that and think about it often. I mean, Jesus said the very hairs of our head are numbered. Look at your index finger. Everybody take a look at your index finger. That print, if you can see it, is unique to, to you and you alone. You are unique by creation. There's all, you're one of a kind. And I'm not trying to give you a, a cheesy self-help seminar. I'm trying to give you what the Bible says. You are unique. There's no one else like you. No one else that's, that's you know, wired just like you are. You are God's by creation, but you're his. If you trust in Jesus, you're his by redemption. He bore a brutal death so that we could have relationship with the Father that he would bridge that gap. And then when you begin to know who you are in Christ and know what he's done for you, you'll stop worrying about what everybody else thinks of you. I will stop worrying about what everybody else thinks of me when we focus and focus and focus on how much God loves us and what he has done for us and what he's promised us in this life and in the life to come. I like what Henry Nouwen says. He says, the identity that makes you free is anchored beyond all human praise and blame. That's good. So I've been praying over my kids since they were born who, that they would know who they are in Christ and they would find their self-worth and self-esteem in Jesus. Husbands, pray that over your wives every time you pray together. Pray that for each other, that we would find our self-worth, our acceptance in Jesus first and foremost. When we know who we are in God, we're going to be more immune to the stress that's caused outwardly by wanting everyone's approval. I've asked Kristen Diebel, uh, come on out here, Kristen. She is, her and Joel Diebel, her husband, lead our home group uh, ministry here. And I've asked her, she's got a great perspective on this next part of, of resisting stress. So, Kristen, take it away. Thanks, Scott. All right, so not only do we need to know who we are if we're gonna be able to resist stress in our life, but we also need to know who it is that we are trying to please in life. In John chapter five, we read an account of Jesus and he had just healed somebody on the Sabbath day. And the Pharisees were upset with him. They were angry with him for healing on the Sabbath day. And as Jesus is dialoguing with him, he says, I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. Jesus understood who he was living for, and he never, ever lost sight of that. You know, the waters of life become dangerously murky when we lose focus on who we're living for. A couple weeks ago, my son, Bryson, he's nine years old, and he went to play at a friend's house. And when he came back home, I said, hey, how was it? What'd you do? And he said, well, Zach wanted to play Call of Duty, which is a video game. And Bryson said, but I told him I wasn't allowed to play that game. So we jumped on the, on the tramp instead. And of course, I'm like proud mama. And I'm like, oh, buddy, good job. I'm so proud of you. You made the right choice, even though mommy wasn't there. Was that hard to do? And he just kind of looked at me and he was like, well, 
no, because I knew you wouldn't like it if I played that game. And for Bryson, at this age that he's at right now, what's most important to him is pleasing his parents. And hopefully one day that's going to translate to him seeking to please God in what he does. But I thought, man, I want to desire God's approval in my life the way my son desires my approval right now because it simplifies things. It takes the stress out of things when you know who you're trying to please. It's not necessarily easier, but it is simpler. Um, if we're not ple living to please God, then often where we're gonna find ourselves is living to please other people. I know I'm guilty of this at times, so going through this this week, I was, I was convicted and I was challenged. Um, because it's, when, we're, when we're trying to please people, the people change who we're trying to please, and their opinions and what they think we should be doing changes. So we're always off balance. We're always having to bend our beliefs a little bit or compromise our convictions. And what happens is we lose who we are. We kind of lose ourselves in that process. And there's three areas that I think, um, kind of large general areas, where I think we tend to give in when we are seeking to please somebody other than God. The first area is criticism. You can write that down on your notes. Criticism, because we care too much about what other people think of us. Um, you know, Scott talked about this a little bit ago, but even Jesus, who is the perfect man, didn't please everybody all the time. The Pharisees criticized him, but not only that, his own disciples often didn't understand what he was doing or why he was doing it. But because Jesus knew who he was living for, he didn't give in to the weight that criticism um, can weigh, weigh us down with. And we don't have to either. When we know who we're trying to please in life, we don't have to give in to criticism. The next area where we see um, ourselves kind of caving in is with uh, competition. I know that what I tend to do is I feel like, oh no, if somebody's doing better than me, if I feel like somebody's getting ahead of me, I'm tempted to feel like I have to compete. I have to, you know, keep up with them because I feel kind of insecure and kind of threatened when I'm take, if I take my eyes off of God and I'm not looking for his approval, then here's what we do. We start to compare. We look around and we find somebody over here who's maybe doing better than us, more successful, whatever it is. And then we're like, oh, I feel bad about myself. I, I'm, I don't, I'm not looking so good. Things aren't going so well for me. Or we look the other direction and we see somebody who we think to ourselves, man, I've got it more together than that person does. And then we become really prideful and arrogant. And the problem with this is that it's an endless cycle. We will, if we are in the comparison game, we will always be competing to get ahead and there will never be peace and there will always be added stress in our life. I think in the day we live in right now, social media is at our fingertips all the time. How easy is it to hop onto Facebook or Pinterest or Twitter and see what's going on in other people's lives, what kind of parties they're planning. You see these beautiful family pictures or these job successes that somebody else is achieving or the vacations they're taking, whatever it is. And then we look at our own life and compare it to this fabricated reality and we start competing. Our, the wheels start spinning. We think we got to keep up. We got to keep up. It is a surefire way to live in stress. Um, the third area where we are tempted to give in when we're living for somebody's approval other than God's is conflict. We feel really threatened if somebody disagrees with us because we need to be right and we need other people to think that we're right as well. 
anytime somebody disagrees with what we're doing or our opinion about something, we feel so threatened by that, that, you know, the fists come up and we're ready to duke it out and convince somebody else of our rightness. But when God's the standard, when it's his approval that we're seeking, we're able to remove ourselves from that defensive posture. And instead we can extend grace to other people and we can walk in humility and we don't need to allow the stress of constant conflict with other people to rule our lives. That we, can, we can find peace in that. So let me ask you, whose approval are you seeking this morning? If it's not God's, maybe even just take a second and jot it down on your notes. If you're not living for God's approval, where are you tempted to live for somebody else, live to please somebody else? The first step in removing this area of stress and becoming more resistant to stress in this specific area is just to recognize it and to ask God's forgiveness and just redirect our hearts and refocus on him. Uh, the, next, the next thing we need to do is I need to know what it is that I'm trying to accomplish in life. In John 8, 14, Jesus told the Pharisees, I know where I came from and I know where I'm going. And this knowledge allowed Jesus to live for the most important things. You know, a couple weeks ago, we got a phone call that my grandma had passed away. So me and Joel bought plane tickets, we packed up the kids, and we flew across the country to Chicago to attend her funeral. And when I got there, my parents asked me if I would put together a photo collage of my grandma's life. So I started going through all these old family photo albums, and the pictures that were just getting me were pictures of my grandma and grandpa with their four children when their kids were about the age that mine are right now. And I was just thinking, I was looking at this picture and thinking, if I could ask my grandma right now, I bet that what she would say is it seems like yesterday. Life is quick. Even if you live a long life, my grandma was 87 years old. That's a long life. Even if you live a long life, it's over in a blink of an eye. Compared to eternity, it's nothing. It's just a short little, little moment in time. And I left Chicago thinking, man, it is so easy to get caught up in the busyness of life, to allow the stressful things that really don't have eternal consequences to consume me. And my desire was so much, I want to live my life to please God. I want to love him and I want to love people and I want to spend my life on what's important. I don't want to get to the end of my life and have regrets about how I spent my time and my energy. And this will allow us to do that. When we know what we're trying to accomplish, we will be able to live for the most important things. Jesus knew his purpose, his mission, and his calling. And we can understand ours as well so that we can remove and resist stress in this area. Um, Jesus gave us a great example of how to do this, but what's true about all of us is that every day we either live by priorities or by pressures. When we're in a stressful season of life, it's so easy to allow the pressures of life to just, you know, it's like a balloon. In my kids' carnival, they would put a balloon over an air pump, and then all the kids would pump as fast as they can to see who could get their balloon to explode first. That's super fun at a carnival, but not fun when it's your life. When you allow the pressures of life to bring you to the point where it's not sustainable anymore and everything's just going to blow up, that's not how we want to live. That's a surefire way to experience stress. So here's just a super practical tool that I hope I can share with you guys today that will really um, be something that you can go home and put into practice in your own life. I do this, and it is so helpful to me when I'm in a stressful situation. I sit down with a piece of paper and a pen, and in the middle of my paper, I draw a circle. 
And inside that circle, I think through my situation and I identify the things that God has called me to, that I am responsible for. And every time I do this, I'm surprised by how small that number of things actually is. And those things I write down in the middle of my circle, the things that I know that God has called me to, I write in the middle of my circle. And then outside of the circle, I write down all the other things that are adding pressure to my life, that I'm worried about or stressed out about, things that are beyond my control and that God hasn't called me to be responsible for, that I am not accountable for. And then I go through and I just pray through my little diagram and say, God, in my circle, the things that you've called me to help me to be obedient and to walk in integrity. But all the other areas, I entrust them to you. And when you do that, you remove the power that those things have to pressurize your life. Um, just a quick example. Let's say you're in a difficult season in your marriage and you're having a hard time just being married. Those seasons come. So maybe what you would do is you sit down and inside your circle, what are you called to? You're called to love and honor your spouse. You're called to be faithful. You're called to be slow to anger. You're called to pray. Those items go in your circle. Those are things that aren't dependent on anybody else. Those are your responsibility. But outside of your circle, if you're a husband or wife, my husband's like, oh yeah, you totally do this. If they never turn the lights off, that's not actually your responsibility. If they refuse to take out the trash, or maybe it's a more serious thing, they won't go to counseling, or they won't talk with some friends about what's going on, or they're not responding the way you want them to respond. Those things aren't your responsibility and you're not called to them. And when you go through this practice and you identify those areas that you're called to responsibility in, you can breathe. You can let go of the stress and the pressure from all those other things that are not your responsibility. So what's creating pressure in your life? Again, maybe just jot it down on your notes and commit this week to going through this practice. I, I think you'll be amazed at how much insight you gain by doing this. And honestly, if you need help just identifying things or talking through it, I would love to sit down and talk with you about using this diagram and how we implement this in um, our daily life and our stressful situations. Because Jesus knew what he was trying to accomplish, he refused to get sidetracked by less important things. He's such a great example for us in this area. Um, in Luke chapter 4, verse 38 through 44, I think, we have this great example of how Jesus does this. He is in Capernaum. This is kind of at the beginning of his public ministry, and it's evening time, and the crowds are just coming. People are bringing loved ones who are sick or have different ailments. Uh, demons are being cast out. People are being healed. It's this amazing ministry going on, and the Bible tells us that the next day, Jesus went away, and the crowds sought him out, and they found him, and they were trying to get Jesus to stay in their little town and continue doing this ministry. And Jesus' response is, I have to preach the kingdom of God to other cities. It was for this purpose that I was sent. The ministry he was doing was good, but he didn't get sidetracked by the good things. He was able to keep his eyes on the, the reason he was on earth, what God had sent him to do and to accomplish. We need to know what God has called us to in our season of life, and we need to be willing to sacrifice the good things, to give up the good things for his best. You know, my husband and I, we, we're, we're in the middle of parenting. We've got four kids from ages 10 down to three, and just nurturing our own relationship with God and with each other and parenting our kids well and doing a good job in our careers 
that takes up about all we have right now. So we have to be very intentional about what we say yes to. Because there are, how many know, there are a lot of good things vying for our time and attention. Places we can serve, activities we can get involved in, things we can sign up for at the kids' school, extra responsibilities to take on at work. There's a lot of good things out there vying for our time and attention. But not every one of them deserves our yes. There is no quicker way to get stressed out than saying yes to the wrong things or to too many things. Because then we're spread too thin, we end up feeling like we can't do anything well, we back off from commitments, we drop the ball. So be careful with your yeses. Be intentional in knowing what God has called you to in this season of life. And keep your focus on that. Don't get sidetracked by all the other things that can pull away your attention. And then the, the last thing I'm going to talk about that we see Jesus do throughout Scripture is Jesus made alone time with God a priority. Over and over and over in Scripture, we see that Jesus went away. He got away to be by himself and pray. He found a secluded place to pray. We see it again and again and again. And I just think, man, if Jesus had to do it, if he desired to do it, and he was the perfect man and perfect God with all knowledge and wisdom and power, how much more do we need that time? alone with God. Maybe you're new to Christianity, or maybe you've even been walking with Jesus a long time, but you've never developed this habit, or uh, the idea of quiet time or alone time with God is a little bit foreign to you. I just want to encourage you this week, will you commit to carving out time consistently every day to talk to God about what's going on in your life and learn about who he is. Get into his word and allow it to change you and to form the way you think about your situation, about your life, and about who you are and who he is. When we're stressed out, I know one of the first areas that's easy to say, well, I don't have time for that, is carving out time alone with God because you think, I've got so much to do. I'm so busy. i got to go, 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 go. But um, that's the time we most need Jesus. I don't know how many people have been reading the devotional, hopefully a lot of you, but my brother, Ryan, actually wrote this week's devotional on stress, and I want to read a quote from, his, from what he wrote. You guys probably read this on Tuesday, but he was talking about this very thing, about relying on the Holy Spirit, um, and this is what it says. It says, just as concrete is reinforced with steel, you need to be reinforced with the Holy Spirit. That way, when the tensions of life come, you will not buckle under the weight. The reality is, stressful seasons are going to come. We're not going to get through life without, without going through them. But when we're carving out time to be alone with God and allowing His Spirit to fuel us and refresh us and help us to handle those stressful situations the right way, we will have more peace and be more resistant to stress. Psalm 46.10 is a pretty um, well-known verse, I would say. It says, be still and know that I am God. And I actually was looking at this verse in the New Living Translation, and that be still is translated cease striving. And I love that. I thought, man, that's what we do when we're stressed out. We strive and we strive and we strive. And how often do we actually obey that scripture and be still? Let's do it this week. Let's see what happens to the level of stress we're experiencing when we are committed to knowing what we're trying to accomplish and following Jesus' example and getting alone with God. I'm going to hand it back over to Scott. Great job. That was an awesome insight. The only thing I didn't understand is what is Pinterest? 
We had a funny story about that. Janelle was looking at some things on Ikea to do in our house, showed me some pictures. I said, cool. Went back to the game. No, I'm kidding. But then she, then she showed me something else. I said, oh, that's really cool. Where'd you find that? And she said, Pinterest. And I said, is it a store like Ikea? And she laughed her head off and told me what Pinterest really was. So now I truly know. So thank you, Kristen. That was awesome. Um, so resisting stress, write this down, reducing stress. How do we reduce stress? Stress is inevitable. It really is. I don't know if you've ever, when you get a cold, if you've ever heard of cold ease, I know I'm kind of a commercial for the seasonal, you know, stuff that's coming up, but cold ease is a zinc lozenge. And you let it dissolve, and they promise on there that it will shorten the duration and severity of your cold if you take a cold ease. I, I, I kind of take them all the time because I'm a hypochondriac anyway. But, you know, I hate being sick, man. So, but you're not going to avoid it altogether. You're not going to avoid stress altogether. That's not reality. But we can certainly know how to learn how to resist and learn how to reduce it is what God wants us to do. The first thing I would tell you is this, ask for help. Ask for help. If you're in a stressful season, ask for help. You know what Jesus did? He went out and appointed 12 disciples, 12 apostles that he was gonna commission to do his work, to do the kingdom work and to, to take this, commission them for their mission. We don't ask for help for two reasons. Often it's perfectionism. Nobody can do it like we can, right? So we don't ask for help around and you wonder why you're stressed out because no one can do it like you. And so you just duh, 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 and let it pile up. And then insecurity shows up again that somebody else may do it better than us. Maybe you're stressed out. Ask somebody for help. That's what church is about. It's, we're a community of imperfect people following a perfect savior. And uh, we need each other. Another way to reduce stress is take time for rest and recreation. Take time for rest and recreation. What's the honest reality for most people's day off from work, if you get a day off? It's more stress. <laughs> you're supposed to have a day off and you're busy catching up and honeydew lists and, and fighting because you can't rest on your day off. And as Kristen said, we gotta make our priorities straight. When you have your priorities straight, you're able to take time and carve that time out. Jesus said this, he said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Re honoring the Sabbath, taking a day off, the principle of the Sabbath. And I know sometimes theologically people fight and argue about whether you should really do it on Saturday or Sunday. It's a principle. And that principle is you need time to worship, hang out with your family, unplug, etc. for time to recharge and to de-stress. Jesus modeled that for us as well. Then I would tell you this, give your stress to Christ. His shoulders are big enough to carry whatever burden you're trying to carry. And he actually tells us in the word to do that. First Peter 5, 7, let him have all your worries and cares for he is always thinking about you and watching everything that concerns you. What's causing you stress today? Do you know who you are in Christ? And I, I'll ask this question. Have you entered into a relationship with God through Jesus? Are you nurturing that relationship? Living for eternity? 
having that, that perspective shift from living for today and, and just trying to get ahead and have a perspective that I'm gonna live my life that it counts for eternity. Man, that perspective just takes so much of that power of stress out of our life, living for his approval. And listen, we don't work for God. Don't get that wrong. We don't work to get God's favor and approval. Jesus did that for us. And when you put your faith and hope in what Jesus did for you, the Bible says that God sees us in his perfection. That's hard to understand, but it's true. And so you begin to live out who you are in Christ. You know, holiness in itself to be set apart for God is first and foremost a position before it is practiced. And it's the position of being in Jesus. Ephesians chapter one, about 13 times, gives the blessings and promises of who we are in Christ by faith. It's amazing. We need to know that. Keep your priorities straight. Um, the, the serenity prayer is a famous prayer written by a guy named Reinhold Niebauer. And often it's, it's helped so many people with addictions, the serenity prayer, AA and many, many other places. But to be honest with you, the serenity prayer is so much more than, than just the first couple uh, parts of it that people read at, at, at a, in addiction groups or whatever. It's so, so powerful. We're gonna pray it together here. And we made uh, some simple cards, little business size cards with the serenity prayer that you can come grab up here for yourself or some friends or family that, that you think could use this. Because when you see the words of this prayer, it's just theologically sound. It's just Bible. The, the best part of the prayer is what happens after that first part that we're so familiar with. Would you stand to your feet and let's pray this out loud together? Let's say this together. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as the pathway to peace, taking as he did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will, that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next. Amen. So you can come grab one of these and kind of go over this. You're in a season of stress. That's a great prayer to pray. So may God bless you today with courageous faith and strength. May God give you a sense of his peace and his joy, his perspective to de-stress your life. If you have never put your faith and hope and trust in Jesus, today's the day to do that. And you can simply just say, Jesus, I'm lost. I need a savior and you're it. I'm gonna turn from sin and selfishness I'm going to turn to you and give you my life and follow you as Lord and allow you to be Lord and Savior in my life. You can do that today. Just simply say that to him. He'll come into your life. He'll fill you with his spirit. If today is the first day you're ever 
deciding to follow Jesus, we're going to have some people up here in just a second that can kind of help you on your next steps, and they'll be up here to pray with anybody that wants prayer. May God bless you with his peace as you go today. In Jesus' name, amen.